Look How Sane and Linear We Are Being is a Homestuck fan analysis podcast and is not affiliated with Andrew Hussey, Viz Media, What Pumpkin Studios, or any of Homestuck's official entities. Please remember to support the release of its books and merchandise whenever possible. Feel free to read along with us. If you have epilepsy or any other light-sensitive disabilities or disorders, we suggest you stick to the audio. This show is not safe for work, and if you're a minor, we ask that you wait to listen until you're old enough to vote for our clown juggalo overlords. It's time to go to hell. Welcome to Look How Sane and Linear We Are Being, a Homestuck podcast in the year of our Lord, 2018. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm also Elizabeth, and that's getting a little old. I know, who would have thought three episodes in and our jokes are already overused. That's a shame. Well, I guess... You can call me Lizzie instead, as you have been for the past two episodes. See, I was gonna say you could change your name legally, but that's okay too. You know, nicknames, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, then I'd have to, like, get a new driver's license and a new social security card, and I'm really not up for that level of stress right now. Are you saying, Lizzie, that you aren't committed? to this podcast. I'm I'm saying that I'm the one that's older than you, and I think you need to respect your elders, and you need to be the one to get the legal name change and the social security and the driver's license and the passport change. To be fair, I don't have a driver's license or a passport, so I guess it would be easier for me. You don't have a driver's license? Nope, I don't. I'm 22 years old and I don't have a driver's license. I have a bachelor's degree. How do you, uh, how do you get alcohol? Uh, well, I have a driver's permit and also there's, there's a liquor store right across the street from my apartment, so it all works out. Wait, wait, oh, okay, I'm not gonna derail this podcast to figure out how you get booze, but... Do you not have any other form of identification in which to buy? I do have a permit, and it says that I'm over 21, so... And then they're like, damn, this bitch can't drive. Yep, exactly. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. You know, you know what we just did? What did we do? We finished Act 1 of Homestuck. We sure did, and it ended, can I just say... With a bang. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, a meteor did hit John's house, so... Did a little bit. You would be correct. Yes. And despite TG's argument, I do think the size of the meteor is important because I'm suddenly wondering if it was just, like, John's house that was in the mushroom cloud or if it was, like his entire neighborhood, or perhaps the entire Earth. I'm guessing not the entire Earth, but there is a a size gap between the entire Earth and John's house. Okay, so so you you do want to know whether or not we were under siege by planet-fucking Jupiter. 
I do. I, I very much do. It's important to me. Is it the size of New York, sir? I, I do want to know what you thought of that Flash animation. The, uh, the fun little kernel sprite? Blinky, blinky little guy? The end of, the end of act uh, animation. Oh, oh, the end of act animation. Oh, I was, hmm, how to put this? I was disturbed, but not in the way you might think. Oh, what way is that? The, the level of drama conveyed by the animation and the music seemed utterly discordant with most of the rest of what we've been reading. Everything about that animation made me feel like something, I mean, obviously something's wrong. A meteor just crashed into John's house, presumably killing him, although, as my dad would say, what's the rest of the story going to be about? The moose? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's the, the very low level of expression on all the characters' faces. Maybe it's the way that T.T. and T.G. seem equally unconcerned about the meteor crashing into John's house, making John look like he's overreacting. I'm not sure what it was, but seeing an actual meteor with, like, the music behind it, and it all gave the very visceral sense of not only is something important happening, but something very... something's going very wrong. How do I explain this even? Within the story... This was not supposed to happen. Let me tell you something, Elizabeth. That's Homestuck. <laughs> I kind of suspected. Act 1 kind of teaches you that you can't rely on your sense of narrative instinct while reading Homestuck. It kind of works on a different platform than most other medias, and I don't know if that's pretentious bullshit or if that's actually like something really cool because I I did think it was really cool when I was like 16 but I don't know if it's good or not (laughs) but it definitely is different than how most medias present their tones. You know we talk about unreliable narrators. I think what we're looking at here is not an unreliable narrator but an unreliable narrative. That's a that's a really good way to put Homestuck in general. (laughs) Yeah We can't trust the tone. We can't trust the mechanics of the world. We can't trust that anything is real. I got that very strongly. Again, I referenced this during when we were reading, but it reminded me of the book Sophie's World, which is a philosophy book I had to read for an AP European history class in high school. And spoiler alert, not that pretty much anyone will read it because it's actually pretty dry, but halfway through the book, Sophie and her professor, who's teaching her philosophy, realize that they don't exist. Oh. That they're fictional characters. There's a moment where the professor is like, why did you assume we're real? And I will remember reading that part for the rest of my life because it was such a, oh my god, they're not real. Like, I always knew they weren't real. But for them to have that that self, that sense of self within the narrative was really shocking. Right. It made them, it put another level of unreality into the narrative. And that's the, that's the same 
discordancy I got especially from this section. Something isn't right here. I feel like there's things I can't trust, and maybe it's everything, and maybe it's only one thing. I, th I think the thing that we can't trust is Andrew Hussey himself. <laughs> oh, that's valid. <laughs> I, I think that's I think that's I think that might be the uh, the feeling you're getting. I think you just have a gut reaction and it's a distrust of Andrew Hussey. Unreliable author. Well, he he does make an appearance later, so we'll be able to see him. True. I I do feel like if if Elizabeth at age 13 got her hands on Homestuck, she would have like her brain would have just exploded. It would not have exploded because of the weird metafictional unreliable narrative stuff, but it would have exploded because of the cursing. So that tells you just a little bit about 13-year-old Elizabeth. Can handle nihilism and existentialism, cannot handle the word fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Baby Elizabeth, from what I've heard, was a real party, a real party animal. Oh yeah, I had a real life fairy come to my 13th slumber party. <laughs> Actually, my mom did, but I, I appreciated it greatly. You did say when we got to the page that introduced Rose, which by the way is Tentacle Therapist, that is her name, uh, you did say that Rose was just a big call out to young Elizabeth. She sure was. She's pretentious, she has a huge vocabulary. And doesn't know how to use it. She doesn't know how to use it, yep. Although, in my case, it was less doesn't know how to use my vocabulary as much as doesn't know how to pronounce it. She loves purple. She loves to knit. It's just hitting, hitting every spot there. Was baby Elizabeth also really into eldritch horrors? Actually, yes. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I have a lot of super disturbing art from when I was 12 and 13 of, like, giant monsters. So, you know how everyone has something from their middle school years that, like, they can't look at full on or it'll be, like, an eldritch mirror reflected back at you and it'll send your soul into the demon realm? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, mine is a lot of pencil drawings of horrific monsters disemboweling people, I'm pretty sure. I think I got rid of all of them, luckily. Basically, baby Elizabeth is Rose. Huh. Now, I, I can't claim the same amount of kinship with Rose. But I do claim kinship with the fact that her mother does just have really shitty wizard paintings hanging all around the house, <laughs> which is what I want my home decor to be like someday. Okay, that's, that's fair, that's valid. I do take umbrage with one word you used, and that is kinship. I appreciate that word on its own, but I suggest in terms of when we're talking about characters we deeply relate to, that we do not use any word with the word kin in it. Alright, I feel... <laughs> oh, what is, what is a word I can use? I know. Relation? No. 
I don't, I honestly don't think that there's any good substitute. I stan Rose's mom's love of wizards. <laughs> That's marginally more valid. I, I do have to say, Rose's mom, other, other than the wizard thing, is pretty shitty. But <laughs> the wizard thing is pretty good. Yeah, seems like it. And much, much more shitty than John's dad, who seems like a pretty stand-up guy besides the Harlequins and the relentless baking. Okay, uh, we saw a very quick glimpse of Rose's mother. What are your impressions of her? Dramatic. Untrustworthy. Dramatic. Dramatic, indeed. Uh, yeah, untrustworthy. Mmm, that's pretty much what I'm gonna go with for now. I do, I think, trust Rose's... It, it did make me trust Rose's report of what her mother is like versus... John's report of what his dad is like is more, seems less trustworthy, seems more just some, like, typical 13-year-old, ugh, my parents kind of thing. Yeah, like, John is doing it out of rebellion and also maybe, like, a diabetes warning. Yeah. But Rose is doing it out of genuine concern because I don't know if you noticed... But Rose's mom has, like, teleportation magic or something. Yeah, and also is an alcoholic, I think. I think Rose mentioned that, and... Yeah, we see, we see her one... Her had, like, a martini glass. We see in the... Sil I don't... Yeah, she had the martini, and she's got, like, a hand on her hip. And the lightning is lighting her, so we see her silhouette. And then when Rose crosses the hallway, she's just gone, and there's no doors. Gone. I couldn't tell. I was looking very closely at that panel. The right side of the hallway did not quite line up with the back wall. It's possible that there was a hallway, like there was a corner off to the right that she could have exited into. But if not, she definitely has teleportation powers and that should be, that's very worrying. I mean, everyone in Homestuck kind of has like some weird esoteric power that isn't really explained or makes any sort of sense like it, the silidexes are one version of this i suppose but then like the fact that rose just like zips across that hallway in like two seconds flat is also a little worrying see i was thinking of that as artistic license in cartoons when characters go really fast like that it isn't a sign of supernatural powers it's a sign of the style so I was sort of reading it more as that than as Rose has, like, super speed. But again... She's the roadrunner. Anything is possible at this point. So at any point in Homestuck, I'm pretty sure. I, I do... This, this is a weird question, but... Mm -hmm. uh, actually, it isn't a weird question because when we got to this part, I think you freaked out a little bit. I'm pretty sure I did. Go on. Um... Remember how remember how when we looked out of John's backyard and there was just like a cute little like pogo toy out there and like a mailbox and like part of a suburban like area and then you look out of Rosen's <laughs> house and there's a cat mausoleum uh, there's a cat mausoleum and a laboratory yes, I do recall that and I'm pretty sure there was like a forest behind that and then add in the ambiance of like the storm and the meteors 
and the fact that she has an observatory in her house. Yeah, Rose Lalonde is fucking rich. Like, she's loaded, I I assume. Rose is an anime protagonist. Homestuck would have been so much better if Rose and John switched places. I was a little bit bothered, especially by Rose's sudden realization that the mausoleum was like a mockery of her childhood grief. <laughs> like, just casual realization of like, oh, she wanted to have a funeral for her cat. So her mom was like, oh, you do? Well, guess what? I'm building a little mausoleum because that's... What? <laughs> that's, that's something we're going to have to circle back to later because both John and Rose have very similar scenes coming up where they both realize that their parents... There's something about their parents that they didn't realize before. So just keep a pin in that uh, as a concept. I do think... <laughs> It's just really not a good sign of the mom that... No. <laughs> no, like, I agree. Anywhere else it'd be like, that's really good parenting. She took her child's concerns seriously and had a cat funeral. But this one's just like, nah, bitch, I'm gonna make this mausoleum and it's gonna be the funniest thing in the world. Like, oh, huh? You're sad about this? You want a funeral? Here, have a whole mausoleum. And just have it sitting out in our backyard next to the creepy laboratory to haunt you for all time and come back when you're 13 and you realize it was mocking you this entire time. <laughs> A plus parenting there, Rose's mom. I also think that um, there was also evidence in this chapter that John's dad is a good dad, is a good person, and I say that because of he wasn't in very many panels, but the ones he was in were mainly him puzzling over the deconstructed <laughs> house. <laughs> and like he didn't do anything. He just stood there with red question marks over his head like, what the fuck is this? But in sort of like a friendly way, not in a like, oh shit, is he going to be mad at John way? Like I didn't get any of that. I just got like, what is a bathtub doing at the top of my stairs? How did it get here? See, I actually do think that's a point away from John's dad's favor, because if I was a father, which yeah. I think that isn't very possible, right? but <laughs> if I was a father and I walked into, and, and I had just bought 50 boxes of <laughs> Betty Crocker cake mix. Hypothetically. And I walked out of my car and saw a toilet with two whole cakes and some fake arms sticking out of it just right in the in the yard. Yeah. I I can understand him being confused and like walking on after that one. Mm -hmm. But after the tub has been moved, I don't think there's any physical way that his 13-year-old son could have moved that. And if I was the dad in this situation, I would be like, oh my god, there's a burglar in here and I have to find him and protect my son. But John's dad does not do that. He just looks at the tub, has like a little red question mark in front of his head, and then he like shrugs and goes back downstairs to make more cakes. Now, see, I took it as it's such a level of over-absurdity that like, what else can he do? I mean, if someone had ripped out the bathtub and, like, a good portion of the floor, put it at the top of the stairs, and also 
whipped up the toilet and a good por portion of the floor, put two cakes in and a fake arm in it, and put it in the yard. I would not be going, there is a burglar here, I better check on my son. I'd be going, what? Hmm. Hello, 911. There is a tub in my hallway. <laughs> exactly. I'd be going, well, this is a weird dream. I guess I'm going to go bake more cake. It was, it struck me as that level of, huh, there's a bathtub. I think, I think you just cracked it, Elizabeth. I think this whole thing is a coma dream from, from John's dad or by John's dad. Like John's dad is in a coma and he's just making all of these cakes in the coma because like that's just what he knows. It's a sugar-induced diabetic coma and that explains all the Harlequins and that explains all the cake. It, it makes so much sense now. I understand everything. I cracked it. Uh, no need to thank me. I just solved Homestuck. Pack your bags, everyone. We're done here. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the mid-podcast minigame. The one where Elizabeth is really bad and can't get any questions correct. This is, through no fault of my own, it, it is understood that I have no knowledge about Homestuck, and apparently the knowledge I do have is useless? Bad. I, yes, bad, definitely. It's a good thing that my master's degree isn't in Homestuck because I would never pass a single class. We've already established that I am the one which with the batch degree in Homestuck, so you're all right. That's true. As long as we have one certified scholar on the, on the podcast, we should be fine. Anyway, the mid-podcast minigame is a chance for us to play one of five minigames that I have concocted to 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 trump and stump <laughs> my friend Elizabeth. And usually succeed. And usually succeed. Elizabeth, what are the five games that we could see today? The five games are Music Appreciation, True or False, Hussie's Fixations, Troll Jeopardy, and Image Description. All of those sound very good. Last time, Elizabeth tried to give us one of Hussie's fixations and failed spectacularly. I did. That is true. How was I to know that Andrew Hussie hates fancy Santas with every bone in his body? Apparently. I showed her the blog post in between episodes and it was, uh, her reaction was not very nice. Listen, listen, it, it was, it's, it's a, it's, I'm just gonna say, it's a bad blog post. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> anyway, Elizabeth, why don't you go ahead and spin that wheel so we can decide what your fate is for today? All right. And the game we're going to be playing today is Image Description. Yay! Image description is a game where I send a JPEG of a page of Homestuck Elizabeth has not read yet and force her to give us the context for the image. Oh, fascinating. The context, I see. So the thing is, I am unsure whether I could give you the context for a page of Homestuck I have already read. <laughs> this should be interesting. This is just hard mode. If anything else, Elizabeth, if you get stumped, you could just tell the listeners some nice details you see in the image. Right, exactly. It, it all will not be lost. 
Alright, Elizabeth, I'm about to send you the image. Are you ready? Probably not, but go ahead. Alright, for those listening at home, this is an image from page 2515, and Elizabeth will proceed to describe it, and then tell us the context. Uh, hmm, well, this is, uh, (laughs) I'm honestly not sure where to start here. Just describe it. Okay, I can, I can describe images. That's a thing that I do. So, to start with, there are three figures in a room. Two are upright, and one is, is, is lying on the ground floor surface. I'm gonna go with surface. There are a lot of, of brains. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the room is green, and they're... There, I think maybe there are flames outside. Oh, it would be good to mention that horizontal figure is a lying on some sort of dais in a ah uh, in some sort of symbol, as if they are being like sacrificed. <laughs> um, and most of the brains. <laughs> Also flies there. The figure that is lying down also has greenish goo gunk sort of just all over them. And yeah, oh, I should also mention, I do know, this is one thing I do know, all three of them are trolls. Well, that's one thing you've gotten correct. Yes, got that part. Now, Elizabeth, you have very thoroughly described this image, but I have not heard any sort of context for this image that you are giving us. Uh, well, one bit of context that I could figure out is that the, the dais part, that whole situation, looks remarkably like one of the machines... That, that we have seen in John's house in in the parts that I have read already. So there's that. That's very good. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. They, they are standing on top of an alchemiter. Yes. And that's all you know. <laughs> I feel like maybe, again, it seems as if some sort of sacrifice is going on. <laughs> And I feel like maybe the prone figure is not the first one to die, considering all of these brains that are just sort of around. You know, Elizabeth, I think that's a that's a pretty good list of inferences you've given us. Oh, thank you. About this image. Thank you. I cannot actually confirm or deny anything that you've said, because... That would be a spoiler. Of course you can. So, but I am going to say, uh, I have to. I have to figure out the wind conditions for this. I don't know. You, you, 
you figured out that they were standing on an alchemiter, so I'm gonna say you won this one. <gasps> I won! Oh my gosh, I... That's, that's this is the first it's it's been uh it's been two episodes and you finally won one hooray i did not i will point out no i or i did not remember the name of the alchemiter but i knew what it was and i knew where i had seen it before oh so that probably counts oh elizabeth because you didn't remember the name of the alchemiter sorry i'm gonna have to revoke your win you actually lost no I should never have brought that up. And do you want to know what your prize is for losing? I have a feeling that I know, but you can tell me anyway. Your prize for losing is that you get to read more Homestuck. No! But we were going to do that anyway. Yeah, and at least I'm not being sacrificed for a, um, a dark ritual on top of an alchemiter. There's always that. Well, at least not yet. Yeah, uh, wait, what? Anyway, let's get back to the episode, everybody. Maybe next time Elizabeth will actually be able to win one of these gosh darn minigames. Am I right? Lizzie, I think we should go back to the part where where I'm not getting sacrificed yet. How about let's get back to the show? I did want to ask on the topic of what what was that thing you were saying earlier about the abstractions of the game bleeding into reality right i couldn't tell if if the physics was just part of the world or part of the game because we were talking about tg's reaction to john saying a meteor is going to hit his house and he and the or the world might die and TG, TG being totally blasé about it and making that whole long uh, how big is the meteor joke. And you said TG might just think John's talking about the game. But then I said that neither TT or Rose nor John seemed to be phased by the fact that the game was immediately transferable to real life and that TT could, that Rose could manipulate everything in John's house, neither of them seemed surprised, just like they weren't surprised about their Silidexes, which led me to believe the way Suburb works was just a fixture of the world, and was not supposed at any point to be a game that solely existed in the virtual realm, and not in the, what, I could call the quote-unquote real realm. It's kind of hard to say because obviously before Spurb was even introduced, they did have these game abstractions like the Silidex and all of that. Right, which TG is aware of, by the way, because he and John have a discussion about the different capsulage methods, the different... The different modi. Right, different modi for their Silidexes. So TG is aware of those particular game mechanics that exist in what is supposedly their real world. Maybe the way that we're meant to think of it is that there are these inherently video gamey aspects of their world, and when John is like, it's time to play, like, we're gonna go play a video game... I think they automatically assume that it's like, you know how 
if you're playing a video game, you will get a mini game every once in a while. And it's sometimes addressed as like an in-fiction video game that the characters are playing. Uh-huh. Like in, for example, in Splatoon, you can go to like the little arcade thing and play Squid Beats. And it's addressed as your character actually playing that game in fiction. Right. So I think that's what TG first assumes that this game is and what everyone at first assumed this assumes this game is. But I feel like what happens is is that there's so many of these gamey elements in their life. I feel like Spurb is more of a mod of those sort of things. Like they just installed a really elaborate game mod into their own like DNA. Into their own game. Their world is already built on these game mechanics. So there's the game within the game, or games that can exist within the game, presumably because John owns some of them. We looked at them in one of the panels. But then there's also parts of game, like Suburb, that can plug into the outer layer, so to speak, the actual code of the real world. Yeah, like, it's almost as if they're, the rules of their universe are governed by... Uh, some higher power that is also within the game of Esperb. Right. A wink. Which leads me to my other other observation right after we meet Rose, which was wondering whether the narrator's voice was Rose or whether we do have some other objective narrator. Or, well, rather not objective, but third person. And what I think tipped me off there was the narration called her sweetheart, and it immediately struck me as uncertain whether she was referring to herself or the narration was referring to her. A kind of a condescending manner. Oh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so was she just saying that to herself, or was it someone else? We... We do get to who is actually typing in these commands in a little bit. I think it's actually coming up very soon. I think it's actually in our next session we read about who exactly is the person writing these commands down. So it's like another level of the Sophie's world shit that you take one step back and then you take one step back and then you take one step back, and you can't assume anything is real because suddenly it, it can turn out to not be real. You do get a lot of those, like, stepping backwards moments in Homestuck. We obviously just got through one of the the first ones, uh, but there are a lot of bigger ones that come up. Oof. I, th- I think some of them are coming up pretty soon. We're really... The first act of Homestuck... I feel like its purpose is to get you kind of acclimated to this weird place that Andrew Hussey has decided to set this story in. You can't just jump in directly in media res and not explain anything about Silidexes and how they work and what's going on in this world. There's enough confusion as it's set up if we started any later 
there wouldn't be any way to figure out what's going on. Because I feel like if we started any earlier, it would have been boring. Mm -hmm. But they do start us out in this one, you know, it's just this one spot where John has a very specific set of things he has to do. Right. And that's get get the game and install it. And then once that happens, they do have a very particular set of things they have to do to make sure that they don't get hit by a meteor, which they did kind of fail. They did kind of fail. To be fair, John was the only one who was hit by the meteor, presumably. Rose and TG are fine. Depending depending if depending if it was Jupiter or not. I I do want to remind you that there is a fourth person. Yes. And happy, happy person. Gigi, the, uh, the, yeah, Gigi. And they have not answered back since when they said they heard a loud noise. Oh, no. Oh, no. So. I liked them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Andrew Hussey's already killing off your favorites. Andrew Hussey, how could you? <laughs> they were so happy and full of life and exclamation points. <laughs> they only had a, a couple of chat logs, though. That does not diminish my love for their joy. Now, there's one thing that I I want to talk about. And I know we had kind of a rant at the end of the last episode, but I, I do need to have this one now. But I think Andrew Hussey is trying to murder me. Yeah, it's definitely a direct hit. Have we have we said before that I have epilepsy? Have we said that in the podcast before? I'm not sure, so let's just say it now to make sure. I have photosensitive epilepsy, so Homestuck could very well kill me. Listeners, don't worry if you're listening to this, you are you are complicit in the murder of one Lizzie and will have to appear in court along with Andrew Hussey. I am sorry to inform you. I, however, will have fled the country and changed my name. This ends that disclaimer. Is this how we get you to change your name? Yeah, you have to die. Oh, is that all it takes? But no, so the thing is, I know we say this at the beginning of every episode, but if you have severe epilepsy, you might want to skip out on Homestuck. Or just have- or just get like an audio version of it. Or just listen to us, any of that works. Because, oh my god, I forgot how bad it was. I read this as a kid, as a teen, and there were- there were some panels where like Elizabeth was having a problem, and Elizabeth does not have epilepsy. No, uh, we were on that first panel, and I do not have epilepsy, and I had to put my hand over the the blinking kernel sprite because with the with a text box like the speech bubble with all of the little uh, symbols because it I I didn't like it. it wasn't making me feel great and like I'd be fine. I just don't know why people keep doing this after that one '90s Pokemon episode, like the Porygon thing. Oh God, yeah. The was it the. I thought it was the tentacle episode. I, I think it was the Pori- the Porygon one, and it wasn't because it was like Porygon doing something, but it was because Pikachu did this really 
seizureific attack. Flashy. Yeah, there was there was some Pokemon episode. I feel like that was so sensationalized that I think media creators should have like caught on that it was like not cool to do anymore. But and yet Incredibles 2 came out this year and that was the most seizureific thing I have ever seen. I haven't seen Incredibles 2. Full screen flashing black and white. It was supposed to be hypnosis, but I would say there's like a 50-50 chance of like, is it going to hypnotize you or is it just going to give you a seizure? Because there is a reason they those warnings were going around and somehow people still haven't caught on. That movie was made this year. The thing is like, I've asked people before if like they enjoy those effects and about 80% of people that I ask go like, no, I hate those. Yeah, who would like those? I don't know. The, the thing is, like, I... The, the, <laughs> I think it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's really... It's not, like, the easiest thing in the world, but it's... I'm used enough to it to avoid these types of things in, like, real life. But... Here's the thing, the internet is a place where I feel like I shouldn't have to be doing that. Because when things like that happen in real life, it's like, oh, that light is going through the trees in a weird way and it's really bothering me. Or like, oh my god, there's an ambulance and that's, uh, ugh, I can't look at it. But when it's like the internet, it's, there's this sort of thing where... It's like, okay, you should know better because you could, you literally could have not done this, but you did it. It would have been super easy. In fact, it would have been easier to not do it than it was to do it. There's got to be another way to convey something like what was going on in this section with the blinking of the, um, of the kernel sprite. There's, there's got to be some way of like, it moves around a little fast, or even just it stays still. Like, in a lot of the panels, it was just, it just existed. And as long as it was conveyed in the text that it was, like, blinking really fast or something, or even had, like, John shield his eyes, something like that, that would have been enough. The, the thing is, like, you could have achieved the same effect with, like, a, like, a subtle, like, rolling of, like, different hues of the same family of colors like if it was just like oh it shifts from like cyan to blue in like this like wave pattern that would have had about the same effect without trying to kill a good chunk of the u.s population and i by the way i do want to say this i say andrew hussey's trying to kill me and i say like oh this kills me i do not there, there's not really a chance that I would die from having a seizure that's not usually- that's not typical. Lizzie is not literally putting her life in danger by the very act of doing this podcast. All joking aside. It would put me out of commission for a good two days. And I would pee my pants. It's not necessary for it to be here, and- And it's dangerous for it to be here. I know it makes me sound kind of like sensitive and like, oh, please make this thing for me. But the thing is that it's such, I, I, th I feel like it just, it's just thoughtless. Like, you know, I'm not going to think about a good chunk of people because like, I don't even think it's, it's not just 
people with epilepsy. I feel like if you were, if you had a visual impairment, this would be hard to look at. Again, I don't have epilepsy. I don't have a visual impairment besides being really super nearsighted. And I had to hold my hand over a panel of the comic. I would rather have just been able to read the comic normally. It's just like one of those things that's just like not cool. <laughs> I, I kind of get it because it, it's more of a larger problem with digital media in general because they're like, oh, we can do this, so let's do it because it'll, you know, it'll look shocking. Because Homestuck does emulate a lot of like video game aspects, and I do see this a lot in video games, which is why some video games, Cuphead, is really hard for me to play. <laughs> right, so it, it does go with the, the aesthetic, but it's not necessary, it's thoughtless, and it reflects a larger problem of thoughtlessness when it comes to making content that's safe and accessible for all consumers, especially uh, disabled consumers. Yeah, it's just like, can you be cool? <laughs> For like two seconds? Mmm, I like that. Anyway, that's that's this episode's big rant, which I guess we have to do every time now. We have to do a big rant in every episode or we go to jail. That's that's the rules this podcast and of Homestuck. I gotta say that I'm warming up to TG, like he's kind of a douche, but not in like a nasty way in a little bit of a lovable way. I think we touched on this last episode, but he he cares about John. It's clear that he, he cares about him, he values their friendship, despite the whole being totally chill with the meteor hitting the house thing. He just, he has this air of, like, if John is the everyman and Rose is the brains, TG is like... Even though we don't know much about him yet, he's like, he strikes me at least as a little bit of the heart and the humor. You don't really, you don't really say he's, oh, like, that's a great character, that's a great person immediately. But there's these hints of him caring and he's had, he's had funny lines, the whole meteor monologue and he almost comes off as slightly older than the other two, I think because of his general air of not not caring, but shrugging everything off, like, it'll be what it'll be. <laughs> Man, you, yeah, sort of like the, ah, you shouldn't have played that game, dude. Man, what did I tell you? I do have to say in TG's defense, when John is speaking about Esperb, he never at any point says that Rose takes out his real-life bathtub. He says, Rose took my bathtub. And if I... If you messaged me on, like, Discord or something, <laughs> and you were like, guess what? My best friend just took my bathtub out of, you know, out of uh, the bathroom. My first instinct would be like, oh, they're playing co-op sims. That would be my first instinct. It would not be, oh, they did that in real life. And I know we've had this conversation about what is an abstraction and what is 
real in Homestuck, but I think just looking at this, because this game was reviewed in Game Bro, I think da- I, I think- I almost said his name. I think TG's <laughs> first instinct is that Rose and John are just shitting around in a game, and there's no, like, actual danger. Yeah, also in his defense, John seems to overreact to pretty much everything, and so John's saying, well, uh, a meteor's gonna hit my house and I'm gonna die. TG's reaction of, like, oh, cool, bro, (laughs) doesn't seem super- it seems like stuff John would say every day. My dad's trying to kill me by feeding too much cake. Cool, bro. I'm pretty sure the Harlequin paintings on the wall came to life last night. Cool, bro. I feel like John um, has a lot of conversations with his friends, like the one that he, the earlier one he had with Rose, where he's, where Rose is like, are you wearing a bad disguise? And he said no. And then he's like, actually, I was wearing a disguise the whole time, teehee. I think, like, he says a lot of weird stuff as, like, a prank. And maybe TG is like, Okay, he's just doing something dumb again. <laughs> he's he's on to him. He he knows. He knows John. He knows John is the boy who cried wolf. That's the just the reference I was going to make. The boy who said one too many times that a meteor was going to hit his house and now a meteor's really gonna hit his house and TG's like, sure it is. You know what? What if it's the size of Jupiter? He's like, haha, funny joke. Right. TG is the the type of person to play along with the game and not to immediately call John out on his bullshit, which I think Rose is the friend that calls John out the most. Yeah, she shuts that shit down. From what little we know of Gigi is that Gigi seems like the type of person where if if John said there's a meteor coming to my house, I feel like Gigi would have said, oh no, are you okay? With 15 question marks and a bunch of frowny faces... Yeah, she would have, Gigi would have taken John totally at his word. TT would have immediately been like, no, there isn't. And TG is like, yeah, sure, bro. Cool story. I feel like the only reason Rose believes John when he says this buckwild shit during Esperb is because she can literally see inside of his house. I feel like because she has the visual proof in her laptop, when he's like, I just looked up in the sky and there's a meteor... And she also looks out of her window and there are meteors. I feel like the only reason she believes him is because she is in this situation with him currently. Right. She has direct proof herself. She is the one manipulating things in his house. She understands that what he's saying is quite literal. She has the view of his house and his yard and what's going on. And she can see the meteors. She is actually the cause of most of his woes. Yeah, more or less, except the cake-based ones. So what are your final impressions of Act 1? I guess my final impressions... Just like overall... I think I'm... You said in the first episode, Elizabeth, I think you're going to fucking hate Homestuck. And I, I had a feeling that... I I had a sneaking suspicion. The thing is, there's a reason why I've put off reading it for so long, and it's that I had a sneaking suspicion that I would really enjoy it, 
and that's being proven totally correct. And I am, here I am, <laughs> God help me, going on the record and saying I really enjoyed the first act of Homestuck. And I unironically cannot wait oh. to see what the fuck is going to happen next. Oh, I'm so glad to hear. That means that we get more podcasts. We do. Oh, that means we get, we get more podcasts. That's wonderful. I'm very glad that you've changed your mind. I, for one, am very excited to see the shift from I fucking hate Homestuck to the the first troll horns you decide to make no no and uh no you know what i think we we need to go to an anime convention and like paint our skin gray no and no. wear really like the black shirts with the zodiac signs on them i have cosplayed one gray-skinned character in my life and that was raven from teen titans and i didn't even wear face paint false this is wrong. It will never happen. Oh, God, that means it's going to happen someday. I've cursed myself. <laughs> oh, my God. I've cursed myself, everyone. And this is, and this is no fault of my own. You, this, <laughs> I, I just feel like you're going to be fulfilling a lot of prophecies here. I'm my own self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. I'm really excited to see what you think of the rest of Homestuck. This is, this first act is kind of like the raw and filtered Homestuck classic. Homestuck classic. I'm trying to remember what actually happens in act two. Um, let me look at the map real quick. We'll find out together, Lizzie. We'll take this journey together. No, I gotta know what's <laughs> I gotta know what's going on. <laughs> oh yeah, Act Two is good. I, I'm I'm looking at the map right now. Act two is pretty good. I can't wait. Alright everybody, that's all of the homestuck we have for this episode. Today we read through page 187 <laughs> through 247. You can read all of Homestuck, not just the sections we read on our podcast at homestuck.com. If you need an accessible version, go to our Tumblr, lookhowsane.tumblr.com. We have linked a version of Homestuck with image descriptions, and we have an audiobook version linked as well. We also have transcriptions of all of the episodes of Look How Sane and Linear We Are Being that I write. Yes, and she does a very good job on those. If you have any questions for us as two hosts on a podcast, you can contact us on our Twitter at, at how underscore sane for any questions. If you want to send me any images for the mini games so that Elizabeth can lose her shit over it, uh, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> because that will happen. We all know it. Thanks to my brother John Michael for writing the theme music as well. And until next time, everyone, remember... Friska did nothing wrong. She actually did a lot wrong. She, like, blinded one of her friends. Mm -hmm. Bye, everyone. Hold on a second.